Peace and light, y'all. You are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things regarding self-development and bettering your spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody who's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl podcast. And before we get started, you know I cannot begin any episode of mine Without thanking you all for listening, out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are in podcast land, you choose to listen to mine and give me your ears for about an hour or so once a week, and I really appreciate that. I don't know if you can hear my voice, but I am definitely recharged and um, renewed from my trip to St. Thomas. I did record some clips um, on a couple of beaches while I was down there. Hopefully, I will get them to um, to y'all very soon. Um it was more so just a lot of random thoughts. I just kind of grounded, you know, in the water, connected to the ancestors, um, and released, cried a little bit. And then I was like, ah, I have more releasing to do and talking to do. So <laughs> I basically did like two hours of like <laughs> random footage. But this week's interview is very, very special. It is about millennial masculinity with a spotlight on um, Josh from Free Negro University. Um, we've been mutual friends of each other's movements for a while now and I respect what he does with Free Negro University. Um I don't want to spoil his story or what he's about with a bio that I would normally do for other guests. I think that he does a very great job at articulating and pinpointing and clarifying his mission and what he ultimately wants to do. I will say that, you know, for women who think that men are trash, um here's definitely one that isn't. <laughs> and he actually gives a really good example of what it's like to be a millennial in this society as problematic as it is lately, as well as um, trying to do the right thing, recognizing his wrongs as well as knowing that there are ways to um, move in a way that is inclusive um, and also serves to be a good example for not only his peers but for um, younger males uh, growing up. We talk about everything in this episode. It's a lot of opinions. Um, he's actually the first episode guest that I did a Hot Topics segment with where we basically just get his opinion on hot topics and we talk about Issa Rae we talk about uh Bill Cosby and Kanye West so with that being said (laughs) enjoy peace y'all I'm speaking with Josh of Free Negro University how you doing how you doing I'm good thank you for having me on I am so happy for those who are not familiar I had a man crush Monday post of about maybe seven to eight photos of a man wearing a lot of expressive shirts. Phrases that aren't usually said from a male perspective. It was like a lot of, uh, it was very vulnerable, um, slightly emotional, and it was a representation of what I felt was millennial masculinity, meaning rejecting the ideal of men being hypersexual, hypermasculine, and being able to openly say, you know, this hurts, or I need help, or I need a hug, or I feel. So I thought that Josh would be a really good person to interview about his movement with Free Negro University, as well as giving us his thoughts on um, toxic masculinity, or just even millennial masculinity, or healthy masculinity. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, for those who have not seen the poster, do not know who you are, who is Josh? So first of all, again, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time that we are going to be getting into this evening. Um, I've been a huge fan for a long time, so I'm glad we've been able to chop it up right now. It's definitely long overdue. Uh, again, my name is Josh. I reside in Massachusetts right now. 
I'm a, I'm a res, I'm a resident of Brooklyn, New York, and I'm here in grad school, just working, trying to do my thing, doing this little hustle. Um, and I started Free Negro University um, almost a year and a half ago um, for a number of reasons, mainly because I felt that um, my activism was lacking something, and when I included the art aspect in terms of the T-shirts, in terms of the content, in terms of the the different posts that you see on Instagram, it really helped ground me again, and it really helped me reinvigorate myself in terms of shifting gears to more um, more content-based activism and engaging with folks that I am building with on Instagram and other types of um, social media platforms. But I am a graduate student in labor studies, that's offshoot of sociology, um, um, I got one more year left, so I'm trying to maintain the white ass space of Massachusetts until I can get back to Brooklyn or go wherever I want to go and continue to build Free Negro there. Um, it's really been um, a ride, and it's really been awesome to see how people then gravitate uh, to Free Negro University, the things that we put out. And honestly, I, I, I'm not trying to curse on the show. No, it's, it's free. You can say what you need to say. Because I really just be talking shit on on Instagram, and then folks um, folks resonate with it, and then folks really uh, appreciate what's being said because it's coming from a real place. It's coming from um, a vulnerable space. It's coming from a space of that was informed by love and trauma and hurt and healing. And I'm really glad that folks are are, are resonating with the message that we're doing and resonating with the things that um, I'm putting out. So. You know, free Negro is a lot of different things, um, but mainly it's a it's a space that me and my boys uh, created in order to combat massage noir, white supremacy, fascism, and all of the different isms that we um, are experiencing. We are fighting against, especially in the age of of Donald Trump and the the rise of neo fascism and neo Nazism. So, trying to give ourselves an authentic space to be um, unapologetic about our politics, about how we go about um, our theory of change and liberation, and also trying to show these young boys that you don't have to be so um, so hard all the time, so hyper-masculine all the time, and really trying to talk to them about how, how dehumanizing that is and finding different ways to navigate that um, is really a challenge for me, but it's so rewarding when, you know, I see young folks, young men, and black men especially talk to me about what um, our content is doing for them and how they're shifting in their own mindsets. That was one hell of a introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's great, though, um, because um, with social media, it can be used for good and it can be used for other things. But I think that this falls along the lines of something that's really trying to uh, spark a seed of change and kind of change the conversation and move it forward. Shout out to the free roots, by the way, because I actually found your page through the free roots. So shout out to Mike and Dev mm-hmm. over there. Um, but when I saw it, I said, yo, this is a person is a man. Cause at first I thought you were a woman. I was like, yo, like this is like, everybody says that. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. So I was like, it's like, man. Okay. Well, that's dope. So going back to what you were saying in terms of teaching younger men to, to be better and to be a little bit more open and more vulnerable how were you taught masculinity in terms of what was to be a man and, and what was correct? Um, hmm. So a lot of things were 
were picked up just by um, by uh, just what we are then reared with in society in terms of, you know, different cues that men and masculine bodies are supposed to adhere to and represent. Um, and a lot of it came through my father. Um, you know, even though we didn't, we didn't really have many uh, direct conversations about masculinity and manhood, it was just a, um, a see and do by example. You know, my father is, you know, a big man, a very, um, not a quiet man, but he's definitely somebody who is, um, uh, doesn't necessarily express himself in terms of, of sadness and vulnerability. Cause my dad is, my dad was a retired, it, my dad retired, but he was a cop, um, in New York for, um, for all of my life. So definitely, you know, big dudes, you know, strong dude, and definitely did not, definitely did not let anybody see him in a, uh, a vulnerable state. And so I felt that, you know, my dad being my biggest role model, that was what I uh, tried to aspire to in terms of how do I conduct myself, how do I conduct myself um, in public, how do I conduct myself around women, how do I conduct myself around uh, my family, very much so just a, you know, putting on that brave face and that hard face all the time. And it, it kind of looks stupid because, um, you know, you know, as a, as, a, as a young man and as a kid or a younger man, you know, it, I would I looked animated. It looked like I was just doing too much. I was trying to stick my chest out and, you know, trying to, like, be a peacock, if you will, and it just didn't look right. It didn't fit, and people could tell that this was something that was a forced kind of production. So that was really when I um, had to rethink, like, what, have I learned what have I been um, been ingrained with, and how is it affecting me, and how is it affecting my relationships? Okay, okay, I see. So, getting back to how you were raised, terms of this, your father being, you know, that dude. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. So, as you got older. When did you realize, yo, I need to get a little bit more vulnerable or we probably need to have more of a a relationship with each other that is more of transparency and openness and not really being um, as animated as you would say, as you were yeah. Um, imitating, yeah. Yeah, and I, also, I just want to also just state that, you know, that my father was definitely not somebody who um, was emotionless, but in terms of him in terms of him outwardly emoting vulnerability or sadness, I never saw that. But he was definitely here, um, and I felt his um, his uh, his warmth um, in other ways. So he was definitely somebody who was uh, emotionally available um, a lot more than I can say about like my other male family members. Um, but it really came. I think the, the defining moment was when I. Um, when I stopped playing football, like my dad uh, played football in high school and I, I wanted to be just like him. I, I, I wore his same number, like I was a captain, um, and I had ambitions to, you know, go and play football in college and do all these different things and, like, you know, just to then to carry on that, that, that legacy that my dad left. Um, and I, I had to stop playing because at that point in time I had a condition uh, which did not allow me to play anymore. Um, uh, I had a I had a concussion and I had other things going on. 
oh, man. Know, you know, the brain and and it I it was not safe for me to play anymore. So that was a big blow to my ego and to my masculinity because like I felt like I was weak, you know, like how do, like how do I then um how do I explain this to you know the people who knew me as a, like just a football player and how how will their depiction of me change because I'm no longer playing this very violent sport and how will my dad look at me now that I'm no longer doing something that he uh, took a lot of pride in, that I took a lot of pride in, that my family took a lot of pride in. Um, like, what does that mean for me as a man? And, you know, we had a really serious conversation. I think it was around, like, my um, – it might have been my 15th or 16th birthday. I forget. You know, we went we went out to eat, and he was like, look, you know, you really – this, this was an introduction to our, our – further conversations around masculinity, but, you know, a part of being a man is learning how not to please everybody. You know, you can't live your life off the dictates of me or your mother or whomever you feel like you're trying to 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 satisfy. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, looked like me coming to terms with, you know, what I actually wanted to do, which is like, I like, and that after I stopped playing football, I started doing like theater and, you know, debate things that are like seen as less masculine, if you will. Um, but being steadfast in my convictions and the, the conversations that I have with my father really helped me to be okay in what I was doing and being okay with not trying to live up to this uh, this caricature that people have for me that I have for myself. Yo, shout out to your parents for telling you, because I don't think. I mean, parents, I try my best not to judge parents because parents, there's no handbook on how to do it, right? right. They're just doing it the best way they know how. And I know there are some parents to this day that still manipulate their children or mm-hmm. heavily influence their children to do what they want them to do. So right. I think it's really admirable that your parents were like, yo, you don't have to live life the way, you know, you don't have to do it for us, do it for you. Right. So I think you were very, very fortunate to have oh, yeah. some, some great parents that, that encouraged that for you to be mm-hmm. your own man, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So let's okay. So Josh no longer can play football. Mm-hmm. His ego has been dealt a blow. He now has to redefine his masculinity. So explain Josh in college, undergrad. So what was going on there in terms of you know college is like that that time period where you kind of mm-hmm. start to begin to find your own way and you start having more relationships. You know, there's no parental, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying the parental guidance around. Or um, influence, so you're kind of out doing your own thing. So, what did undergrad teach you about your masculinity and even dealing with women? College is again a microcosm of a larger, our large society, right? And you know, college was definitely um, my entryway into like we're in a concentrated environment. This is a bubble, and through this bubble, I have learned how 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 fucked up a lot of the things that men were socialized with and how poorly we treat women as a result. Um, and I, I, I had a story that um, I think it was like my first, it was my first, my first week in college, um, my roommate um, cheated on his girlfriend. And 
made up this long excuse about, like, what happened and tried to even – he even tried to ask me to take the fall for him. And I'm like – and the like, and let's just say I did. Like, we looked nothing alike. Like, we looked – he was – I'm, like, 6'3", I'm dark-skinned, he's 5'7", and he's light-skinned. Like, even if we wanted to try to play this out, this wasn't going to work. But the fact of the matter is, like, bro, like, we we haven't even been here for a full – it might it might it might not even been a full week, and then you do this terrible thing to your partner, and like I'm not judging him for that, but I think it then sets the tone of like there's an idea, and I and I spoke to her afterwards, and we we talked about you know you know our obligations or her or her obligations to him and why she would never cheat on him, and all the things that really let me know that yo she really was loyal to this man and like the first chance he got he you know he he betrayed her in that way and it it was it was it was a shock to to not, it wasn't necessarily a shock but it was a reminder it was like bro like we have been really like swallowed all of this to think that this behavior is okay and moving into like a lot of um different social justice circles that I was in you know, being a part of student government, being a part of, you know, the, the different types of, of clubs and organizations that I was a part of, it got even more insidious because now you have men that supposedly get it, right, that use the terminology, that use the the buzzwords like massage noir and patriarchy, that have read the literature, they've read Audrey Lorde, they've read, you know, whomever. And they are then, they've created an They've created uh, a role for themselves or perceived role as like an ally or as like a good dude, and they're still out, you know, you know, cheating on their partners, being deceptive or being manipulative, being abusive, whether it be physically, psychologically, emotionally. It really crossed. It really just ran the spectrum, and I'm just like, bro, again, like I'm not saying this because I'm on my high horse, but this is just things that I've observed as men. Who as a young man who was trying to find other black men to look up to, and this was something that I saw immediately. You know, like y'all just out here living foul, and then going back to the the, the space the next day is preaching this pro black shit. Like something is not clicking, something isn't adding up. So really, like your politic is just self self gratifying because you're still out here abusing black women every chance that you get. Oof, you know what? I said, you know, I wonder if I'm going to bring up the whole, because, you know, you are free roots. Like, you and Mike and Deb, y'all y'all get some shit when it comes to the, um, <laughs> the uh, quote-unquote attack on hotepism, right? <laughs> and that whole last part is gearing towards that. I said, you know what? I said, and I was thinking, I said, let's just go there. So what are your thoughts? on people who feel that Free Negro University is supposedly anti-Hotep or anti-Black man, because I've seen some weird comments that have almost portrayed your page or your your platform as if you're anti-Black male or anti-Black family. So, like, what is, I mean, on record, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I just think that's stupid. Like, there's never, there's never a point ever 
in any of my posts in which I said I'm anti-black man or anti-black family, whatever the case may be. All I said was, if you really want to talk about being against or anti-black family, y'all need to stop talking about, you know, black women watching Empire or, like, getting weed or, like, black queer folk or black trans folk and their supposed impact on black children and start talking about the fact that, yo, like, y'all really have, all these, like, men in the family, in the community that are known abusers, pedophiles, rapists, all these different things, and y'all ain't saying shit about them. But you want to come to me because I actually want to then, like, speak on these things and not necessarily have a conversation that is dismissive of, like, the actual violence that, like, men are perpetuating in our community. So now I'm anti-black family. I'm like, you know what? And at, at this point, it's like, yo, like, what you gonna do? Like, that's that's a that's a that's a foolish argument. That is an uninformed argument, and it just doesn't make any sense. But like, I'm not necessarily tripping over it because like, it just shows me that yo, you that's a, that's a deflection. That is a deflection, like bar none, and it just shows me that you have not you per se, but, like the people that are making those comments have no interest or want to engage in those conversations. So I'm like, oh, all right, because you do you. Right. I feel you with that. It is, for me, it, it is, um, and normally I don't share my opinions too much. I don't want to influence, because my thing is more so just presenting perspectives and then people can make the choice. I would never want anyone to follow my thought process solely because that's what I believe without making an informed choice, like you're saying, yeah. with these arguments that be uninformed. But I do agree with you. When I say that it's very hard to be pro-black, pro, you know, pro-community, and then you're you're ostracizing or you're excluding three or four groups of people that look just like you, you just don't know, you know what I'm saying? So I just don't think that's fair. Um, so I'm really glad that you you touched on that. Also, now when you started Free Negro University um, with your folks, like, was there any obstacles that you guys may have may have faced? I mean, because I know you're in Massachusetts, and Massachusetts is not necessarily super concentrated with um, with black folks, so. Right. Like, was there any kind of any kind of uh, issue with that? Yeah, I mean, well, the one thing was, you know, when Free Negro University started, I was in D.C. Um, I was a part of this uh, two-year uh, program designed for young black men in college called the Institute for Responsible Citizenship, um, and that's where I met like some of my closest friends. And you know, we and and, um, and the reason why we gel so well is that you know we aren't necessarily complacent with the idea of, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a black man and I'm in college and I go to a really good college and I'm interning in D.C., so therefore, like, black women should be throwing themselves at my feet. Like, that's not something that we entertained, like, whatsoever. Like, trying to be better, um, trying to push ourselves to then, like, really reconsider some of our views that may have that could be considered problematic, not even considered, like, are, we're problematic, are problematic, pushing ourselves to just think critically and think about, like, our place as men and what we have access to, which is a platform that other black men can listen to and then latch onto and then really take things from. Um, so there was, so that was the fact that we were, and again, like, I'm in Massachusetts, my boy, Ozzy, he is in Ohio, my boy Justin is in Tennessee. Um, my boy Horatio is in North Carolina. So, like, we are, like, at least I'm very far from them. Like, 
they can kind of get to each other and like it's so far, but I'm very far from them, and that was an obstacle because we can't be together, you know, physically and chop it up and you know build and and you know you know have intellectual debates in order to then craft it. So we had to work around that. Um, most of our most of our colleges, with the exception of of Justin and and perhaps Horatio are predominantly white institutions, so we have to work around that too. And also, to 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 be completely honest with you, you know, a lot of of, of the obstacles just came from just um, starting. It's like how do we how do we how do we present this in a in a manner that does not come off as patronizing or condescending? How do we not come off as holier than thou? Because we have held a lot of these same positions at some point too, but we're trying to be better or trying to do better. And how do we then craft this message that other black other folks just in general, but specifically like our target audience, um, or one of our target audiences, like you know black men in college, un- undergrad can can vibe with this as well. So there are a lot of different obstacles that we have we're continuously over overcoming, and that just make us stronger because it forces us to be intentional about our message and how we craft it and how we present this to the public. You know, I'm really glad that you touched on you having the uh, you and your boys having the obstacle of being transparent, understanding that you're wanting to be better, but you also held those kind of roles as well. I think even with spiritual hunger, that was an obstacle that I faced because I yeah. never wanted to come off like, you know, I mean, I don't know nobody else that does it, but I don't want to be like, oh, I taught you that you need to blah 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 blah. blah. You know, I never want to make it solely about Maria. I mean, for those who have been down since day one, I had no intention on facing anybody, doing a YouTube. I just wanted to be a voice behind a mic and yeah. kind of leave it at that. And then also, some of the, the shit that I say is whack. I've done before. I've been a hater at one point. I, I've fought before. I've been petty, petty, petty princess. So, you know, it's, I, I totally feel you with It's like, yo, like we are still growing and evolving, wanting to be better, but we are at, at least acknowledging that we've been we've been in, in places and in situations where we ain't been shit. You know, we ain't been shit right. before. Right. You know, so I can respect that all the way through. Now, you know, you be on top of current events and things mm-hmm. that go on and hot topics. Yeah. So, you are going to be the very first guest on this show, and it's damn near two-year history, to do a hot topics with me. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on particular phrases or people or um, experiences that have just um, gone on in our, our current current society. So, if you're down, okay. you know, okay. All right. So, first thing first. Time's up. Time's up, you said? Time's up. The movement, yeah. time's up. Um, just what are my thoughts on it? Yep. Yeah. Um, I have actually a lot of friends who um, were organizing rallies, like time's up rallies like on their particular campuses and in their particular city. So it's, it's vital. It's necessary. Um, I remember uh, Rosa Clemente, uh, somebody who actually – um, went to UMass um, and I got a chance to to uh, chop it up with them in Ferguson um, way back when. Um, also speaking about like the fact that Times Up is something that is also supposed to center um, Black women, uh, Latinx women, Muslim Muslim women, and not necessarily like letting the Times Up movement be co-opted um, and dictated by the um 
foggy as possible. And that's just the what's what I'm looking for. Not let not letting it be something that is seen as a white woman's thing. Um, I remember that very specifically, and I was even watching the Oscars, and when their, that whole demonstration went on, um, it was just re- it was just really incredible to see, and it's it's something it's, it's definitely something that like, I'll have a lot of conversations with my boys about because they feel like you know it's something that you know people like are be or not people men are being you know brought to the brought to charge on the fucked up abusive things that they've been doing and you know they're just like well you know you you need to be innocent you need to be found innocent until proven guilty and yada 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 whoopie whoop like it, it the times of the movement was really interesting or is really interesting because to me it lets me know that folks have a very interesting time and a place when they choose to put faith in the criminal justice system. Like that's what I've found. Like a lot of a lot of men that I have been interacting with are quick as hell to say the whole system is guilty as fuck, but also like when like a man is brought forth in terms of like sexual assault or sexual abuse, oh well they're innocent and they haven't been charged, so like they're good. I'm like how how do you how do you how do you say those two things in the same breath and then keep going as if those those things are not inherently contradictory. And I'm not looking at you types of funny because it just shows me that your solidarity only goes so far as long as you're not caught up in it. So that's what I, I've seen the times of the movement just really expose a lot of a lot of people and as be again like being people that are down as long as it serves them and when it gets too hot or when it gets too uncomfortable they're quick to then retreat back to institutions that don't do shit for us and that are violent towards us as a means of silencing the people that are coming forward, the women that are coming forward. Okay, okay. Now, you know what? Amber Rose, I saw something of hers uh, while in the airport coming back from St. Thomas yesterday where she was misquoted um, on something she said, and she was like, no, no, no. What I said was the Time's Up movement, you know, the people that, you know, that are the outcasts, you know, the sex workers, the strippers, the Mm. trans, you know, trans community, they're at my slut walk. So she's like, I just don't want to be a situation where Time's Up is solely about rich white women. I don't leave us out. And I thought Mm. that was really good. I thought that was dope that you brought that up because that's, I I also feel the same way. I think if you're going to do Time's Up for one, you got to do Time's Up for everybody. Sex workers, strippers, Latinx, black. Muslim, anybody, any woman that's been discriminated against, Asian, um, Indian women, anybody that's been, you know, that's been kind of dealt a blow in any way, shape, or form from from a system that supports um, a patriarchal agenda, which it does. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can see, we ain't had not one woman president yet. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's really interesting. So I'm really glad that you, um, that you brought that up. Another yeah. topic is mental health. Yeah, that's that's deep. Yeah. I mean, I think so I, I'm of the belief, right? And again, I don't have any, I don't have any necessarily facts or evidence to corroborate this. But I just think that I, I think more off, more black people, or excuse me, a lot of black people are suffering or or living with 
um, undiagnosed mental health issues, whether it be, you know, depression or anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder, um, whatever the case may be, I think a lot of us are living um, with those things, and they're just not necessarily diagnosed because, um, but all, you know, black folks don't have the same kind of accesses to mental health services that, you know, other folks do or that white folks do. Um, and it's, 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 really, it's really sad because I know a lot of folks that can really benefit from, from you know, going to therapy, but then they also have to then consider, like, okay, like, well, do I have time to go to therapy because I got, like, three jobs because, like, I got to pay up my student loans or I, got a, I have a kid and I have, you know, I have bills to pay. So, and, and I find that we sometimes what happens in social justice spaces is, or let me, let me be clear, I found in the social justice spaces that I have I have um, frequented that were predominantly white, there was a shaming that went on when somebody was not or could not go or just chose not to then seek out um, help for whatever kind of mental health issues they were going through. Well, I was like, well, first of all, like you can't you can't force anybody to go to therapy if they don't want to. Like, that's something that they have to come to on their own volition. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're busy. While you're busy chastising this person about not going to therapy, have you volunteered to watch their son or their or their child you know, when they're when they could go to therapy? Have you volunteered to pay a bill? Have you volunteered to then make any make any kind of accommodation that? you could in order to then provide them some time or some space in order to, to potentially get these kinds of services. So I think it's a I think it's a double edged sword. I think that there there needs to be like more access to these services. But I also think people sometimes have um a real uh myopic stance on like what these things mean and they're very quick to judge folks without offering any kind of support. Uh, for people who need these things and need to get them and who want to get them, so um, yeah, I'm, I can go on. I can go on all day about that, but yeah, like don't don't talk shit. Don't talk shit to nobody unless you're willing to then help them along in terms of giving them the space that they need to go seek out the help if they want to get it. Bad, bad. Okay, next topic: consent. Always. All right. Next topic: Men are trash. The phrase "men are trash." The hashtag "men are trash." <laughs> um, I was actually having a conversation with my boy about this the other day. Um, we were talking about what, essentially, like, what does it solve um, for women to say men are trash? And I was like, well, I mean, I think that that's the wrong question, or that's not the first question we should be asking. It's more like, well what are we doing as men to have conversations about like, well, what, what is, what is going on? Like, what are you doing? Like what kind of behaviors have you exhibited uh, to make somebody under that statement? Because I, like from, at least for me, it's like the people, the people who I've, I've heard like say men are trash have had very legitimate reasons as to why they have called that man. Like, you trash like so and also like where why is there an absence of spaces in which we like we as men can hold each other accountable in that way instead of trying to then police the way in which 
somebody or or not somebody like women and femmes like respond to the violence in which they're going through. It's like I feel like that's that's not necessarily the question to ask. Like, well, okay, like you feel a type of way about that. Well, why do you feel a type of way about that? I'm a big believer in like if you have an emotional or visceral response to something that needs to be examined. Like you need to examine why you feel that way. You need to examine why you feel so upset, why you feel so personally offended when you hear that. Like we can talk about these things and we can have a conversation as men to figure out what's going on, but I'm not going to try to sit here and then say like women shouldn't say this or women shouldn't say that because it hurts my feelings, like yada, 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 because that's just another extent that's just another way in which uh silencing and erasure takes place. Yo, like I think it, we gotta figure out what the fuck we go we have to figure out what the fuck is going on and not try to be overly concerned about what women are saying. I agree with you on that. Um the thing I've noticed is that when women say men are trash, it's always one man that'll say, Not all men are trash or women right. are trash and it's like, damn, like Let's let's just have the discussion of why this person even feels this way. Right. Like, it's it's frustrating to see because it turns into an unnecessary debate when that Mm. one comment could have just been, yo, why do you feel that way? Okay, well, you know what? If, you know, I apologize. I've seen apologies. I've seen, like, yo, I apologize on behalf of of men everywhere for the experience you've gone through. And I hope that you find in your heart to forgive us and move forward and find a healthy relationship or have a healthier experience with us in the future. I feel like stuff like that, I don't know if it's pride. I don't really know what it is that prevents us from having these conversations um, that are actually productive, but it really kind of bothers me to see people just kind of invalidate and discount someone's mm. entire feeling like that. Right. Absolutely. No, I, I think it's just, like, fragility, to, to be perfectly honest. It's like, um, like I've, I've, been, I've been on, like, a number of, like, different um, or not, not being on. I've been in a number of, you know, in, experiences in which, like, you know, like, you know, my friends who are women have called, you know, me and my friends trash, like, to our faces. And it's like, I don't want an apology. I want y'all to then, like, be accountable to each other and, like, really hold each other's feet to the fire. Like, if you know that your boys out here doing wrong, like, is that really your boy? Like, why do you continue to, 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 to allow him to exist in your circles like this, um, and because I remember I, I, I apologized um, to a friend and said, "Look, the, your apology really doesn't mean anything." Again, I'm not saying this then goes for everybody, and I think that in some cases that could be that could be helpful. But I, in her case specifically, she was like, "That really doesn't do anything for me." Like, you know, that yeah, it doesn't do anything. I need you to then like be committed to bettering yourself and then holding your boys accountable and making sure your boys get better too. You know, go, that's a good point. And going back to the whole fragility piece, where, as a man, where do you think this whole fragility thing comes from? I mean, it's, it's a lot of things. Like, you know, I think I, I can trace it back to, you know, me and, you know, how I grew up and if I can use that as an extension to not, how my boys have told me they grew up and how I can just assume a lot of, you know, a, a lot of other men group is like, yo, like, how, like, you're not going to, like, you won't let this woman talk to you like this. Like, 
that's and I, and, and I say that not to be um, facetious, but like yeah, like you don't let this bitch talk to you that way. Excuse my language, but like I remember like my friends like really like telling them like you gonna let this woman talk to you that way. Like you really gonna take that shit. Like and having that being the catalyst to a potential loss of status or standing with your your quote unquote friends is really not friends. But like in your like community of men is 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 terrifying for a lot of men. Like I'm not gonna let this woman sit here and then try to demean me or, you know, not even demean me, like make me lose standing with the men that I choose to run with. It's like that's some that's that's a dangerous thing when we if we wanna then like really um get down to it. Like and I think that's a lot of like at the root cause of a number of 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 different violences against uh, against women. It's like, yo, a lot of you dudes have just been learned not to take shit from women in any in any way, and 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 not even take shit, but like just not being somebody to entertain the thought of like somebody talking back to them or somebody then putting them in a position in which they look stupid or which they're they they're not even look stupid look wrong because they are wrong in a public or even in a private setting. Like that kind of that kind of mentality is dangerous and it's it's toxic and it is at the lot it is at the root of a lot of these different instances in which we see like women uh, we see like, you know, partners or men putting their hands or like putting their 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 girlfriends, wives, whomever in situations in which they lose their life. You know, like you can, you have not learned to then properly handle your shit, and so any any perceived attack against you and your your masculinity must be snuffed out. Like, what kind of shit is that? I'm glad you laid that down because I was I was curious. I always thought it was like a an ego thing, but I think you've explained it a little bit deeper. Yes, yeah, ego, but it's it's kind of a social thing. It sounds yeah. like. So I'm glad you laid that down. Next topic, Bill Cosby. Or Bill Cosby. And, <laughs> and, and, and like and yo, so oh, I'm 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 gonna say a couple things. So the first thing is I and I, I'm 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 pretty sure that I saw you comment on this the other day is this idea that Bill Cosby is receiving the brunt of the punishment when men like Harvey Weinstein have been essentially given a pass, mm-hmm. um, which is not true. Like, right. yes, Harvey Weinstein. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not necessarily. I don't remember if he was arrested. Um, I don't. I don't think he was. I feel like my gut is telling me he wasn't. But at the same time, like he did receive a material consequence for the reprehensible things that he did. Like he was removed from the academy. All these different things like went went on, but at the same time, like even despite that, because I don't even want to go down that road. Like both of those things, both of these men are reprehensible, and it just it just shows it goes to show that a lot of a lot of the the brothers I've been speaking to have this idea of like, well, you know, Bill's getting arrested, whereas Harvey and Bill O'Reilly are just getting you know slaps on the wrist or whatever the case may be, and I'm like, bro, like that is a First of all, we're not starting – we're starting from the wrong place. 
like we need to start from the fact that like somebody was like somebody was raped, somebody was assaulted, somebody was abused, somebody was put in a situation where they were violated or or had a very uh real fear for their bodily safety. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that you don't want accountability for this person. You don't want healing to come to the survivor. Like you want this black man to receive the same kind of privileges that this white man faced. And that's really all that's really all we're talking about. Like you don't care about the survivor. You don't care about what that looks like. You just want that kind of power and that kind of privilege to then make this shit go away or sweep it under the rug. And I'm like that. I I, I don't know what and. Yeah, I don't know what to say to somebody like that. I, not I I do know, but I'm I, I'm I'm baffled by it because it really just it's it proves to me that like you know again like your politics is completely self-serving. Like you don't want liberation, you want power, you want access to do the same kind of terrible, reprehensible, abusive things that white men get get away with. And that's why I'm not I'm not here for any of these like. Well, we need to then, you know, remember that like Darren Wilson didn't go to jail and George Zimmerman didn't go to jail. Like, okay, like yes, that is true, but at the same time, like I'm not, I'm not concerned with what they are. I'm just as equally upset that these people did not go to jail as I am upset that Bill Cosby has been doing this for 40 years. Like those two things can have those. I can hold space for those two things at the same time. And you trying to then tell me that this is something that is too big of a deal, or you don't believe what happened, or whatever the case. And just, just again, it's it's a deflection, and it shows to me, like, yo, like you really don't care about any of these women that came forward. Like you don't. Like you don't. And I and I don't. I don't. I don't know how to make you care about this. I don't know how to make you. I don't know how to make you believe. I don't know how to make you see that it's okay to care about somebody who was assaulted or raped or violated. Like I really don't know what to tell you, man. I don't. And your politics are fucked up as a result. Ooh, that's one hell of a perspective. So moving forward with that, uh, Kanye West. Kanye, <laughs> uh, like, uh. Oh, Kanye. Wake up, Mr. West. Come on. So, yeah, I don't know. I I, I fail to – I don't know. I don't, I don't want to sound harsh. I don't want to sound dismissive. But I can't keep writing off the things that Kanye is saying or doing as Kanye going through a mental health crisis. Because he's been saying outlandish shit for a decade. And, yes, I do think a lot of this is predicated on, like, his mother passing away. And he even said that he wants the the album cover to be the doctor that performed the surgery. Like, there's just too many things going on for me to then to fully conclude that he has been – he's fully over that passing. And, like, who's ever fully over like their mother passing away. So let me let me also check myself on that. But at the same time, it's like Kanye. Like Kanye has millions of dollars. Like yo, family, like you can you can really receive the best kind of 
of care money can buy. Like, if that was something that you felt that you wanted to do or you felt that you needed or the people that were around you were then, like, pushing you to do. And, again, like like I said, you can't make anybody get help until they're ready to get it. And I don't know, and I'm not going to try to assert that I know what kind of counseling or or therapy Kanye has been getting has been getting any. But I think to go back to go to go to go to his point, it's there's a difference between thinking freely as he chooses to say and thinking critically. Like I like free thought is fine, but are you making are you making informed statements when you speak? Are you reading things that can then add to, like, your well of knowledge before you go on Twitter and make these statements? Are you, like, looking at these sources and are you reading these people's backgrounds before you choose to align yourself with them? Like, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't know, like, what Kanye's political platform is, but I, I can make some kind of assertion about his character when he chooses to then be squarely aligned with somebody like Donald Trump. Like I can make that assertion because I know, we all know what Donald Trump has said and done and believes. So if you are then going to then stand with this person, then I have to look at you with a healthy dose of, healthy dose of skepticism, excuse me, because you have access to information too, and you're making a decision on that in spite of these things and in spite of the people who his words harm and in spite of the people who have been, who have been galvanized to hurt marginalized people because of this man, his rhetoric, and his position. So, like, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't I'm, – I'm personally, like, pretty much over Kanye West, um, and I think that I don't, I'm not going to apologize for that. I hope that he does get the help that he needs. But, again, I feel like um, – I, I saw a tweet today that perfectly encapsulated this. Like we, like people are continuously trying to give Kanye a pass for aligning himself with Donald Trump. But when Chrisette Michelle performed at his ah, she was canceled immediately. Immediately, and I'm like, you know, I think that says everything. I think that says everything that it needs to say. So yeah, like Kanye's canceled for me. Next topic, though, Kelly. Man, fuck R. Kelly. Man. I was gonna keep saying fuck off you. Again, like the same thing is like, yo, this again, I'm i I'm twenty two years old. I'm about to be twenty three and three. That's all? Like, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a young guy, you know what I mean? Yo, so I'm so the I, I say this I'm twenty two years old. Like people have known R. Kelly was a fucking pedophile. Literally since before I was born, like put that in perspective. Like he he married Leah, like he married Leah in like what ninety four, something like that. Um, and then that, the, the the child pornography case, I think it was that might have been in like two thousand and three. So, like, like we've always at least I've always there's been this shroud of of abuse and misogyny and violence against young black women and sexual violence against young black women that has followed R. Kelly for as long as I've been alive. So I don't know what else 
to say. I, I'm 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 really ex- I'm really excited. I'm really thrilled to to see like the official mute R Kelly uh, yeah. movement is kicking off. I've I've seen that he's been canceled from a couple of shows um, in the past few days or so. Um, but yeah, I got friends. I was I got friends who live in Chicago and who told who tell me, you know, where they where like he pulls up. Like, he pulls up in front of high school, like, and everybody knows me pulling up and, like, goes to then, you know, essentially pick out, you know, young young girls. And I'm like, yo, man, like, like what, what, more, what, more, what, more, what more do you want? Like, is, is the Chocolate Factory that good of an album that you, you want to, like, ignore all this shit? The answer's no, but... Right, <laughs> like, like, right. it's, it's, it's no, it's, it's not, it's not. You know what's so cold is that when this stuff started going down, like, when it first started, like, to become a thing, I remember seeing the tape in high school, and I remember um, it was, it was, it was weird. It was weird, because I remember TRO playing in the background, I remember just being, just, it was, it was, it was strange. It didn't, it almost didn't look, it was like, is this real? Like, what? And then it was like, okay, he got off on that. Then again, like you said, I had some friends in Chicago that was telling me the same thing. And I was like, wow, okay. And then, um, like, you know, he did the BET interview with, I think, Ray back in the day. And yep. the way he answered those questions, I was like, come on, bro. Damn. Right. Then, how, 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 how? It was like, how like how, how young? How young? Like, I was like, all right, all right. He, all okay. Right. Then he got off, I think, was it twice? Or was the trial just that damn long? Either way, he got off. And right. I was like, and then listening to his music, it started to get really strange for me because I was yeah. like, who exactly were these songs for? Right. Half on a baby, your body's calling, seems like you're ready. Kind of like conflicting. So it's like, you know, everyone's deleting R. Kelly from their their Apple Music, and I had to do the same. It was just like, damn, this is just this is too too much. Like for my iTunes and everything, and then to see the yeah. official mute R. Kelly, to see Questlove behind it, and John Legend's behind it, and yeah. Ava DuVernay is behind it. It's just like, damn, like finally, right? Finally. So it's just like, I, I mean, damn, finally. I'm like, damn, shit took y'all 20 years, right? And there's been so but many exposés on it too. Took us 20 years. Shoot. All right. So the yep. last hot topic um, is. I'm not going to say no screen names, but I'm sure we know some men who are so pro-women, it almost seems disingenuous. <laughs> it's like, hello, yeah. women, 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 women are this, women are beautiful, you're everything. Men, you need to blah, blah, blah. Like, what, you know, you know who I'm talking about, who, but you know what kind of Instagram accounts I'm talking about, right? What are your thoughts on that? Because I look at it like I've always put a scale on the shit that I see on social media, right? And I see, even with, um, yeah. like, in, in, in your lane and what you do, you're, like, right in the middle of the scale or the polarity between those accounts and then the accounts that are hella misogynist. But you're, like, a good balance because you're not mm-hmm. necessarily, I mean, you're pro-black woman, it's obvious. I mean, you're pro-woman, pro-black woman, especially. But it's it's more in a... It's more well-rounded. You're talking about other things as well, and it's not like to where you're having to. For me, at least, it doesn't make me question your authenticity and your concern and your care. But there are some pages that I do. Mm. I respect. I respect the intent. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it kind of makes. And I am a woman, yeah. so it's kind of like, 
uh, and then I talked to my boys about it, and I talked to my, my homegirls, and even some of them are like, it's kind of like, yo, like, are you trying to get some vagina? Like, what's, why are you, like, you're going hella hard, you know what I'm saying? And then there's some women yeah. that are like, well, he helps us, and yeah. he uplifts us, and he empowers us. So it's, it's really interesting to get the perspective. So I'm curious to know, what do you think about pages like that um, <laughs> that are around? Yeah, no, it's still, it's, it's hella real. And not even just pages, but, like, men like that, right? Because, like, I've, like, I don't know, like, I think, like, and again, I'm not necessarily saying that, like, I haven't, like, been confronted. Like, I've definitely, like, had, like, people, like, women, like, like confront me, like, trying to figure, like, yo, what's your, what are your intentions? And I'm like, yo, I really, I'm not, I'm not really here for nothing except to, like, to, like, go, go back, go at it with these, these like, these hotepping ass niggas. Like, that's really, like, what I do. Like, I just try to go at it. But the point I'm trying to make is there are, like, a lot of pages and there are a lot of men who like are on this like nice guy like you know pro women tip for the sole extent of like sliding in DMs and like you know uh, you know checking for women. It's like I think I think it's I think it's transparent as hell. I think that you know a lot of these a lot of those pages um, and a lot of the men that run those pages. If you if you look into it, there is. Um, there's a documented history of them, like, being, like, you know, real, like, creepy-ass people, like, really trying to, like, talk to, like, everybody, every woman that passes their way. Um, so I, I 100% agree. I think that um, it it definitely, like, it, it definitely doesn't bode well for, like, you know, for like, other folks who are just trying to just, um, just kick it. Not even just kick it, it was just, like, just, like, be on like the 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 real shit and like do the work because it it paints it paints it paints a very negative picture on like so are you again are you just like one of these like like soft boys who knows like all of the, the things to say and knows all the buzzwords and knows all of the the language and knows all the jargon but you really want to get in my panties or are you doing this because you know that your liberation is bound up with mine and you know that, like, men out here, a lot of men out here are not living right? And I'm like, yeah, shit. No, I see it all the time. And I just, it, it shit is fucking, it's corny. And, like, and like just that, 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 being, that being, you know, more serious, but also to make it a little more lighthearted on another aspect, a lot of times them niggas got no game and they really have no way to approach anybody that they're, they're interested in. So they try to then, put on this persona of, like, this, like, super ally. And I'm like, yo, like, you're corny, cuz, like, again, like, I, I'm not, like, the, the dudes that I know, like, you know, do it because, like, there's a genuine belief in what we're doing and, like, the fact that it needs to get done and, like, and, and again, like, that's not something that comes automatically or inherently. Like, there's definitely like, stepping stones along the way, and there's fuck-ups to be had in order to learn this. But, again, my thing is, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even trying to sound condescending or trying to be cocky. Like, I like I could definitely, like, I I got enough games where I, got, I don't have to necessarily, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to lie, I don't have to game. But the point I'm trying to make is, I don't have to then rely on this whole, like, like soft boy narrative to try to, to, to talk to women. I think that shit is corny, it's disingenuous, and it's counterproductive to what we're trying to do. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the whole good guy thing because 
Um, I've always heard this whole thing, nice guys finish last, and I truly don't believe they do. I think nice guys, um, they may get overlooked at times. Of course, as, as anybody who's nice gets overlooked at times by somebody who ain't ready. Sometimes they, they really just are not ready for someone or they don't believe that the person is actually genuine. So I understand that. But um, there are men who kind of play into that little, um, that little, uh, that role. And they do use that as their game. Like when you were saying that, I literally got an instant flashback of a man right before I launched. He um, was kind of on that wave and you would think that he was a nice guy. He cares about women. He respects women. But then um, I had just gotten out of a relationship, a four-year relationship. And, you know, it's still fresh, you know, at the time. You know, it had been less than six months. Not even six months. And um, yeah. he kind of just, I don't think he realized how he came off. And he says his intent wasn't to be disrespectful or to come off weird. But he definitely politely offered me sex. Politely. Like, you know, and it was in such a way mm. where I had to kind of, I'm used to a, a more direct approach anyway. But the way he did it, it was so polite. Mm. I almost let it slide. And I was like, what? Wait, 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 what? You did what? Like, it's just, it was in a very... It, I mean, it was in a very soft, like, soft approach, kitty glove type of way. I didn't even know that kind of way existed when it came to asking mm. for sex. But it was just kind of weird. It was it was, it was, was creepy, to say the least. And um, it was just, it was strange. Yeah. It was very strange. And I think that whole narrative kind of makes it easy to honestly come off like an ally, like you were saying earlier, and then prey on women like that because you've already disarmed them. Right thinking that you're, you know, like saying that you're for them and you care about them and you, you know, you're going to take these men to task. But in actuality, you low-key got better shit to do, which is, you know, go for yours with these women, whether it's sexual or otherwise. So I'm glad you touched on that because I think we as women deal with that so much. We do tend to question men who appear to be out. It's kind of like, who are you working for? Who sent you? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is your mission here? So I'm glad you touched on that. Um, right. death because I feel like, People's intentions will always show eventually, but in the times that we live in now, it's yeah. just it's 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 hard because it's like you really it's like it's, it's like a situation where it's almost like do or die. It's like either you with us or you're not, you know. Because at this point, if people have been silent for so many years, it's like like who are you riding for? Quick, like pick a side now, you know. So it's like that. So yeah. I'm glad you actually uh, you gave me your opinion on that because I was kind of curious. I wonder what Josh thinks about these type of pages. And I see him. They be having the sponsored, the sponsored posts and shit. And I feel it. You know, do your thing. But I'm just hoping and praying that it's genuine on everything. Last topic, Issa Rae. I mean, I love Insecure. I haven't, um, I haven't uh, heard or listened or read up on like the comment. It was something about like, um, it was a comment about like right, Asian men right. dating black women or something of the sort. Right, like I, I, to be honest, I, I really didn't even, I didn't even, um, I don't know much about it. Cause I didn't, I didn't read up on it. Um, um, so like, was like, folks just mad because like she said, like, like black women should be dating outside Basically, of the race. But the thing that. about Issa Rae to me that I, I have noticed is that she always has kind of gotten some type of flack from guys, anyway. Especially yeah. with Insecure. Like, yeah. I mean, because her show is thought-provoking. It's provocative, obviously. Like, like every week, there's always been talk about Insecure. Like, it's always been a trending topic. And I think there have been some men who kind of yeah. 
don't think I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't really know what it is exactly. I should probably ask somebody what their thoughts are on it. But they always seem to give her shit about insecure, about the writing or about the yeah. women in situations, the man. Oh well, how come Lawrence he gets to do this? You know, it's just kind of it's always been something, and it seems like some of those men have kind of used this type of opportunity to really pop off about Easter Wright. It's almost kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's because people like to, and, and also on the Red Pill podcast, Van Latham also talks about this too, talks about how we give a lot of reverence to celebrities and um, forget that they have jobs to do. You know, and it's almost like right. we try to make them take on our beliefs and our um and we kind of we we personally get attached. I think that's why I was disappointed with Kanye because I low key thought that he was speaking for me to an extent or speaking for a community. And I realize now that might not. I mean, he's saying it's under free thought, but like Janelle Monae says, like if it's about you know if it's against the oppression or or of others or oppressed communities or oppressed peoples, then fuck your free speech or fuck your free thought. You know what I'm saying? So I think with Ethan right, 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 I right. think I, I think that it's it's an opportunity to kind of jump on a bandwagon of hate. I ain't going to say hate because that's a strong word, of a shade that had kind of already been there because of what she does. Yeah, I feel that. And again, I'm not, I haven't watched all of Insecure. Um, I was, I was definitely like, so I didn't follow it, you know, so religiously, like, like my friend, I definitely need to get into it. Um, but just, just the episodes I watched, it was like, yo, like this is not something that is, broadcasted all the time. Like, this is some different shit. And it's, it's, a, it's a good different. But I also have, I also resonate with that. It's like, I've, this isn't the first time I've heard Issa Rae, like, to like, catch some shit just for, like, and, and, just, and also from, like, from my knowledge, like, wasn't that, like, she, she, she put out a, a book a couple of, a couple of years ago, right? And, like, what, like, that, that excerpt was from the book. And, like, wasn't the book, like, comedic or satirical like it wasn't it wasn't like a, a it wasn't supposed to be taken literally it was like this is a haha like yo like this is a comedic point that was was i guess taken and taken by like that camp the isa bashing camp and then and they ran with it so i yeah i don't know i i i do think i've noticed that like isa ray even though i'm not like um somebody that follows her career, like, so heavily, she does get a lot of flack for reasons I don't know. And, like, I just don't get it. And maybe it's because, like, they're more, that camp is more, at least the men in that camp are used to seeing um, more, like, heteronormative and traditional, like, um, depictions of black relationships on television. And she's choosing to try to then add something new to the narrative Maybe that's the reason why, but like I don't, I, I don't get it, and I just, I don't, I don't see it as fruitful. I agree, and to be honest, I wasn't even going to go to sexual right here. But one thing that caught my eye, that I, I, well, my ire really was when they were not they, not the Issa male bashing, whatever, but they were just mad that Issa didn't have condoms in her scenes. Like I remember the whole, you know, the sex scenes that they're, I can't have no condoms. Right. I'm like, okay, how many of y'all out here giving head without yeah. condoms? A lot of y'all. So let's not do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't see. I ain't heard. Right. I don't see no Instagram sponsor ads about the use of dental dams or the benefits of or the safety of of you know oh, oral sex with condoms. So it's kind of like you seriously. 
Because I know damn well there's a lot of people who do not use that, mm-hmm. and then they jump on throwing a, a magnum when it's time for penetration. And it's like, come on, bro, let's let's pick a let's pick some shit to be mad at here. Yeah. And that's and, and again, it's right. like, it is important, right? Like, save like the presentation of safe sex on TV is important. But like, let, like you said, like there are so many fucking like white shows that just be having people fucking all types of raw. And like again, like it just seems like. Why? Why her? And why? Right. Now? So I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the. I'm not in like the Issa. Like I'm not team team hella hella Issa. But it's just like man, like let her rock, bro. Like. <laughs> yeah, I like Issa. Like yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Play. I mean. Please. I. I mean, it's just so much. It's like if you're gonna get mad at Issa, right, let's get mad at a lot of the music that's misogynistic. Let's get mad at. You know, some, I mean, let's just be mad at, we have a lot of work to do in our own community. We have a lot of issues. And I just feel like y'all want to choose Issa right now, like this, this, this particular topic. Like y'all want to choose this one thing from a book that came out years ago. Okay, cool. All right, great. But it took us 25 years to New York, Kelly. Great. So, so yeah, I feel you with that. So I think I'm done with the hot topics. I'm trying to remember where I was getting back to. Oh, yeah. So going back to this whole thing where um, I always hear the narrative that, you know, men and women, we got to do better. We got to do better with building our communities. I, I totally agree, right? What are three ways that you yeah. feel that men could be a better service to women in any capacity? Because obviously we don't have just heterosexual relationships um, or just, just be a better service, right. period. Yeah. Um, the first thing is be quiet and listen. Um, yeah, just, you know, you need to, to be quiet and listen to the experiences, um, that black women and black families are, uh, are sharing with you and treat them as valid and use that as a point of assessment, like, you know, I think a lot, not to change the conversation, but just I see that, I read an article that a lot of times, like, the men who consistently go to bat for R. Kelly and Bill Cosby see that see or exhibit that type of behavior themselves. That's why it's so hard for them, or that's why it's so easy to dismiss the claims that have been brought against these men because they exhibit Projection. similar behavior. It's like, yo. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, oh man, like, at some point in time, you got to take stock of where you at. You got to take stock of yourself. And like, everybody ain't everybody ain't out to get these niggas, and everybody ain't lying. Like, in th- in these cases, like, very seldom, like, if anybody is lying, like, I don't I don't think anybody lying in these situations. Like, you know, like the the backlash that survivors like received to come out, it, you know, it's, it's, it's too it's too great to try to just do something, to try to get famous or whatever the case may be. So, like, I, I'm in this camp of, like, I got to believe what these people are saying. I got to believe what these women are saying because, like, this took a lot for them to, to share. And I need to then really engage with this and engage with, the things that I'm hearing and engage it with the narratives that I'm hearing about the hurt that that these people or these men have caused and then make a determination as to how I'm going to be better, how I choose to live my life. Um, second, 
also, I think that the idea of, like, you know, loyalty to the race is very damaging in a lot of ways. Um, to go off of the first point is that, you know, we can't talk about these things and, like, we shouldn't be speaking about the the sordid affairs of Cosby and Kelly and the like because, you know, th- like, we need to, like, you know, keep the race first or be loyal to, you know, uh, black men and all these different things that are consi- consistently used as measures of silencing um, for when um, black women are black femmes, black queer folk have to express the hurt that they have been experiencing at the hands of black um, of black men, cisgender heterosexual men. Um, and I'm like, yo, like, I, I don't know, I, 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 I read Son of Baldwin a lot, and, you know, he has this really great, great quote in which he says, like, yo, you got to choose ideology over identity because just because you brown don't mean you down, and all skin folk damn sure ain't kin folk. So also understanding that is, like, look, you trying to then perpetuate this idea that, like, all black people have an undying loyalty to each other is just a, it's a falsehood. Like, yes, it would be great to believe that, and it would be great if that was true, but the fact of the matter is, like, the actions of these men and a lot of people like them show you that there is no loyalty to be found, at least um, in certain aspects, by by the abuse that black women are experiencing on the daily. So this whole, like, race loyalty thing, it just serves as a, as a measure to ensure that, you know, your affairs as a black man, as a black straight man, as a black cis man are taken care of, and you always be backed up and you always be protected, but when it comes to them returning the favor, then what are we left with? It's not reciprocal in that aspect. Um, so that's one thing I would say, like, really consider, you know, if your ideology is, is sound, then your identity is, is something that, that yeah, if your ideology is sound, then we can also speak about how do we come in come in community with other people that share our identity. But if your ideology isn't sound, then like the identity can only get you so far, and usually it's not far. It's really not far at all. Um, yeah, um, and the third thing is uh, like remember who like, again like going going off the second point like remember that you know. Ideally, we should be in community with each other. Like, um, it doesn't. Speaking for this example, it doesn't. I don't get any pleasure out of, you know, going back and forth with brothers online. Well, not brothers, like mostly brothers, but I don't get. I don't get any pleasure from going back and forth with people online about why they feel R. Kelly is innocent or why they feel. Bill Cosby is being set up like that brings me no pleasure that does not I don't there's no gotcha moment to be had here like it actually is a very painful experience to know like a lot of a lot of people that share an identity actually don't consider me as a black queer person in their paradigm of liberation like so we need to also rethink like what community means to us 
and the responsibility that we have to one another if we are going to be in community with each other. And that also means holding each other accountable. Now, I, I didn't, I'm not saying that, like, that means we need to lock everybody up because I think a part of this means we need to then um, reconceptualize what accountability means. Like, does accountability mean prison? Does accountability mean, like, um, like physical assaults on your body? Like, that what, or does it mean like healing spaces? Does it mean like community centered and oriented um, uh, efforts to 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 hold somebody responsible for what they did, but also not ostracize them from the community? I'm just speaking out loud here. I'm thinking out loud here, but we also need to think about like what that means and remember that when we're talking about community and like the black community. And what does it mean to be in 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 the struggle and in solidarity with other black people in our community? Because that's not something that is a one-way street. It's not unilateral. We have responsibilities to each other, and we can't neglect those. For men um, or for women who would like to encourage more of a, you know how hard it is for men sometimes. You be dating a man, and you know he could probably open up, but you ain't really sure how to. I mean, because, you know, with women, when we want a man to open up more sometimes we can come off like we nagging yeah. and it's like look you can talk to me it's okay you can talk to yeah. me so what for women who are trying to get their men to open up and I get this question a lot and I think this would be a great question for you to answer as you are you know a man but what are some ways that women could foster more of um, an environment for men to feel more comfortable being vulnerable or to encourage them to be more vulnerable if they're already kind of open to the idea not saying cater to fragile or toxic masculinity, y'all, but just more so saying, you know, how can I encourage mm. my man to, you know, kind of let his guard down say it's okay to be open with me? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. um, I don't know if there's anything that they can do to evoke um, conversations out of their partner if that person is not ready to have that conversation. And, like, even if they are receptive, if there's certain things that, like, you know, we're not ready to cross, I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like because I think that that also then puts undue stress on the person that's trying to yeah. to start that conversation because you, you can feel as if, like, your partner isn't trusting of you or isn't, communicative because they're not ready to have certain conversations and it may also then put the other person in a situation where they feel obligated to go to spaces that they may not be ready to go to. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I, I don't want to also feel like, you know, just wait until they're ready is kind of a cop out. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, and again, I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, I think, um, offering to go to um, uh, offering to go to, to to other structured spaces that include another person that may be more trained in facilitating these conversations like you know maybe do you want to go to therapy together do you want to go to this meeting do you want to go to this this circle or whatever the case may be like, to potentially um have 
other people to 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 potentially ease that conversation. And again, I, and I I think this goes. I don't think this is necessarily endemic to men. I think that you know I think you know men should be posing this to women, and we should be posing this to each other as people who care about each other and care about the well-being mm-hmm. of the folks in our lives. Um, I've, I've offered that to my friends and my partners. My partners have offered that to me as well. And, you know, and sometimes I've taken, I've taken the, the offer, sometimes, sometimes I haven't. Um, but I will say it, it definitely can, um, it, it can, if, if, if y'all choose to go, it can open up a lot of doors in terms of, providing a toolkit to how to have that conversation in private or, you know, if they don't go at least, and again, I'll speak for myself, you know, the, the times that I didn't go, I still walked away knowing that this person really does care about me in terms of my, my development and my well-being and my holistic health. And so that then also helped me um, or helped put me on a path to, open up with them yeah. later on down the yeah. road. You feel me? Actually, I feel you with that answer because, I mean, you can't really force someone if they're not ready, but you can at least say, you know what, I'm here, you know, or I can be here or, you know, we can do things or there's options. So I, I feel you on that. I definitely feel you on that because yeah. I know I tried to add a partner years, years, years ago, and he had some issues with his family, and I said, well, you know what, let's go to therapy together. He was like, no. And I figure, you know, me being a good girlfriend, I would go ahead and get him to therapy. So I paid for this hour in advance. I think it was ninety five an hour. And I paid for this ninety five dollar an hour session. And I said, Wake up, you know, I got you the therapy session coming up soon. And he was pissed. He cussed me out before. He cussed mm. me out day of. He cussed me out before he left the house. He took my car to go drove back 10 minutes later because he was late already and then drove back 10 minutes later and cussed me out he said fuck that i'm not going i said wow and that right there taught me don't rush mm-hmm. nothing if you don't need to be rushed not saying mm-hmm. that you know cussing somebody out is right the whole mm-hmm. time but getting that kind of extreme response i was like yo this was not the time for him so yeah. and now you know gears are gone by and he has you know he has gotten help and he has he has a partner that supports him and things like that so i was like you know that's great but I just thought that was, I just, I couldn't help but think of that when you were saying that. I was like, damn, you're right. <laughs> I've been there, definitely been there. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, right. it came from a place of love, right? Like, nobody's nobody's saying that, like, you know, this was a, a this was done out of malicious intent. But I think that's the thing, like, as you said, like, not rushing it is like, yo, like, again, I've had to learn that's a hard way as well. It's like, I've, I've, I've had, I've had times in which, like, I've, like, legitimately, like, cornered friends into conversations that were painful. And to to see, like, that kind of – it, it also has to do with, like, it's just, in that case, like, in, certain, in certain aspects, a trust has been broken. Like, you know, as, as messed up as that is, as, as, as right as you think you were in that situation to do so, it's like, look, I don't – need you to then like ambush me or like corner me this is an intervention um i don't i didn't need this and i and like in fact like you doing this may have been put may have put me in a worse place than where i already was before and i had and i had to then really 
learn that it's like as much as I want you to get better and as much as I want to do this and as much as I want to see you do this, like it doesn't mean anything until like you are in a space in which you can handle it. You can then be receptive to what's going on and you are in a space in which you can let me know that you can let me know how I can help you. Exactly. Exactly. So with Free Negro University, what do you ultimately want to do with that? Obviously, it's not, I don't, I mean, I've never gotten the impression that it was just T-shirts and merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Um, so ultimately, I want to open a bookstore. Um, I want to open a bookstore, um, hopefully in Brooklyn, preferably in Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, that's the goal. But honestly, like, I would just really be okay in like, establishing, you know, an independent bookstore in um, a major black hub in the United States because I was reading an article that said there was less than 60 independent black-owned oh, bookstores wow. left in the country. And I'm like, that is that is abysmal. Um, and, you know, that is important to me um, mainly because, you know, there is – there's documented evidence, you know, like the FBI used to surveil black bookstores because they were, you know, spaces of political activity, you know, independent uh, scholarship that was not connected to whatever kind of ivory tower we happen to be situated in. And also, you know, when I was coming up, a lot of the a lot of the bookstores that I came up with in Harlem, you know, a lot of the old heads were, you know, a lot of the older men were chopping it up with the young ones, the young men about what they were going through. And, I, again, I don't remember conversations about masculinity going on there or, like, if there were, they probably weren't the healthiest. But, you know, I also see that as um, another vehicle to, to to do the work that I want to do. It's like, you know, this is a space in which we can – which everybody can come to to be in community, to, to be immersed in, you know – our brilliance as black people like engage with black literature and black authors that you may not have engaged with in school. And also I do, I do want to then have a formal uh, uh, space, you know, for, you know, young men to, to work through, you know, their, their, their issues or wrap surrounding masculinity and how to then express themselves in a healthy manner and not being tied down by, you know, these these weights that come with, you know, societal expectations of what masculinity, what black masculinity look like. I think you'll be very successful at your mission, Josh. I truly do. I think you have a way of Thank connecting you. with people um, that's, like I said before, that's genuine and it's authentic and it's relatable and I'm glad you actually talked about the bookstore on record because I know you told me that you wanted to open a bookstore off record. So I'm really happy that we're mm-hmm. out here speaking things into existence. So I oh, will tell you congratulations. Absolutely. Hopefully I'm be the first to tell you congratulations in advance on your bookstore because I know I know it's going to happen. Thank you, I appreciate now, you. for those who are interested in purchasing any kind of merchandise to help support the mission or just getting down with Free Negro University, period, how can people find you? Yeah, yeah. Um, all of the things that happen via Free Negro University happen on the Instagram. It's just Free Negro University. Um, the link to our Teespring is available um, 
in our bio on Instagram. Um, yeah, come through, just chop it up. If you want to buy something that's amazing, if not, like I just love to to really build with people. Um, you know, I like to argue with people because you know I definitely am not one to shy away from something that could be seen as controversial. So you know, let's build, let's chop it up, let's disagree, let's agree, let's see what we can do, let's build. You know, physically. Um, yeah, that's what we're doing. All right. And is there anything else that you want the world to know about you or Free Negro University? Shoot. And we just doing our thing. You know, I'm just a little maid <laughs> that talks shit, you know. Hopefully I get to talk shit. <laughs> All right, Josh. Thank you so much for interviewing. I know this won't be the last the last time Great. we speak on air again. So I hella appreciate you okay. for interviewing Maria, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for this. I really do appreciate it. Thank you all so much. And that was this week's episode with Josh from Free Negro University. I hope that um, even with all the opinions that were said, that there was something important um, that someone learned from our interview. And I know for me, like I always say, I'm learning alongside you all. And even listening to the playback, I realized that, you know, we – Everybody's angry, and everyone has a right to be upset. It's a lot going on in the world. It's a lot. If it ain't celebrities saying stuff to piss us off, if it isn't the conditions of our fellow brothers and sisters that are suffering, if it isn't situation in Puerto Rico, if it isn't Donald Trump being an ass, if it isn't the government dictating with women what to do with their bodies, if it isn't men trying to tell women how to be queens and, and, and vice versa, and everyone kind of using their platform to vent, it can be very, very overwhelming. But I hope that this interview at least gives you some type of hope that there's good guys out there. Um, It makes me happy to see that our generation is a generation that is changing the stereotype or the narrative of what it means to be quote unquote masculine. I think a lot of us grew up with a lot of hypersexual, hypermasculine men in our lives and, or the example of that being the correct way to be. And I'm glad that there are men in our generation that are brave enough to say, you know what? This isn't me. I'm going to be true to who I am and I'm going to be a male or be masculine or I'm going to do what I feel works for me. I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to understand consent. I'm going to hold my brothers accountable. I'm going to, you know, I mean, I think that's dope. Sometimes there's a bro code, you know what I'm saying, where men do dirt and they're pieces of shit and their friends co-sign that behavior because their loyalty lies to their friend and not to just doing the right thing. And when I say doing the right thing, I'm not saying a man got to go tell the girl. I mean, if your loyalty loyal to your boy, it's to your boy. But at least be able to be real enough to check your boy when he messing up. You know, so I think with I think Josh is a really good example. Again, like I said in, in my intro of knowing, and I can relate to him with spiritual homegirl, knowing that you've made mistakes in the past and knowing that you're not perfect and knowing that, you know, you want to help the world in any way that you can while growing through your own journey. And evolving day by day. And I just think that his mission is dope and I wish everything for him. And I really am excited to hear about that bookstore whenever he opens it. I feel like he's a driven guy. He's going to get it done. So with that being said, if you want to find me, you can do so at spiritualhomegirl.com, Instagram, YouTube, um, Facebook, Spiritual Homegirl, Twitter at Spirit Homegirl. I think I want to take a social media break. I'm just not sure when I'm going to do it. Um, on my Beach Series episode coming up, I talk about something random that I want to do I literally gave the idea immediately <laughs> I just gotta sit through that footage and see how we're gonna um 
organize it because when I say I went on, I was just, I had a microphone at the beach talking. So imagine a random ass girl in a black bikini on a towel with a whole ass microphone and a recorder in shades just talking into <laughs> this microphone on the beach. I know I was out there looking crazy as hell, but it's cool because I had to get some stuff done. I, I had to get it done. I was like, you know what? I really want to record some stuff on the beach and I really want to get my point across. So people actually were coming up to me asking me like, hey, uh, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully we'll get that beach series episode up um, after this. Hope I don't know. I think I want to interview Mama Homegirl, who was my mama. Um, my mom is where I get a lot of my tender, nurturing, loving, empathetic side. My mom taught me that everything is truly a choice. And what you choose to subscribe to and what you choose to accept in your life and how in your hustle, your alignment, we should say, that's determinant on you. Yeah, God, you know, people say, you know, God ordered my steps. But at the same time, you got to take them steps. You feel me? And I got that from my mama. And um, it just never changed. So I think I just want to, I don't know. I think I want to just kind of pick her brain on record and share that with you all. I mean, I've always been cool with sharing my mom with, like, my friends growing up. Like, if they couldn't talk to their mamas, they talked to my mama. So for those who may want some motherly nurturing um, words of wisdom next episode, I think I might I think I think might end up bringing her on. And then we'll just do the beach episode um, afterwards. It's really interesting how I'm just kind of talking this stuff out because this is not – rehearsed I really go off top with damn near everything that I do with spiritual homegirl even my interviews I don't have a structure I don't have a format I don't have a list of questions I think I started out like that in the beginning but not anymore but yeah you just heard me just talk all that out <laughs> for next week so I think we might do mama homegirl if I can if I can uh get the audio in time and then we'll just do the beach episode afterwards so yeah so mama's wisdom on this next uh episode of spiritual homegirl oh yeah for those who don't know, I have Yoga 101 with uh, Miniature Yogi. I was going to say Spiritual Homegirls, you know. That's how off the top we are around here. But Dre from Miniature Yogi is my friend. She's my workout partner as well as my coach as well as my yoga teacher. Um, she's like my fitness coach. So we'll be doing a power hour session, um, stretching and moving meditations on Saturday, May 12, 2018 at the Cosmic Energy Fitness Studio. Tickets are 25 ahead. That includes some water, a 30-minute talk with Dre and the movie mo uh, meditation, as well as it, any person that gets a ticket. They'll enter to win three gifts that we have. I'll be making some homegirl packs to um, for the winners of our giveaway to thank them for coming. And I'm really excited to interact with y'all. For, for some of y'all who may not have heard last week's episode, I am definitely moving to California within the next six months. And um, if you're in the Atlanta area and you want to support an event before I move, because I'm not sure when I'll be coming back and playing events in the A, then this might be one event you might want to go to. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Like, cheers to new beginnings, new transitions, new lives, new places to live, you know, like... I'm excited. Let's do it. You know, we in year one. If you're familiar with numerology, look up personal year one. You'll see what I mean. So with that being said, this has been another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl. Oh, wait. Before I do that. So some of y'all have asked me about doing card readings for you all. Card readings, meaning medicine cards. And I am totally with that idea. Um, so if you are interested in getting a card reading done by yours truly, definitely hit me up. Again, you can email me, spiritualhomegirl at gmail.com, and we can work something out for you, you know? So, yeah. Now, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. This has been another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl. My name is Maria, and remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace. Peace.